0: episode number 17. We're back after a bit of a break, but they can't keep us down. We're back in those podcast streets. My name is Stephen Lutman. This is the Expected Returns podcast. I'm a real estate investor and broker in the capital region of New York State. This is very much a real estate related conversation. However, we do also touch on financial markets, economic data, really anything that impacts the world of housing. We have a lot to catch up on so we'll keep the intro pretty short and sweet check out the saratoga business journal or glens falls business journal for the month of october they were nice enough to have me contribute some thoughts on the capital region housing market this is my second time writing for their publication you can find this at coffee shops local banks fast food takeout if for any reason you don't live locally or you can't track it down for whatever reason do a simple Google search for my name, Stephen Luttman, and Saratoga Business Journal, it'll take you to my initial piece that I wrote for them, which I believe was back in April, but then looks like option number two on the search results is going to be for the month of October. So if you like it, let me know. And if you really like it, maybe you want to do me a solid and let them know so they're more likely to invite me back for future editions, which is Great for me because it's a good exposure. So again, Saratoga Business Journal, Glens Falls Business Journal. That's it, let's get into it. Where I wanna start today in the spirit of Halloween is by talking about death. Now, I've never died, most likely if you're listening to the show, you've never died. However, we've all had different types of exposure to the inevitable. Recently, I was heading north on Route 50 towards the State Park and where I would typically turn right was blocked off by construction. So no big deal. We end up looping all the way around the park, which puts us onto South Broadway, Dance Museum, Dog Park. Locals will be able to ballpark, you know, roughly where I am. This is two-lane traffic in each direction, separated by an island type median in the middle. Now, this is a pretty fast section, right before you get into downtown, 45-50 miles an hour. Car in front of me slows to a stop, and we would be in the right-hand lane. And sure enough, there's a crosswalk there, but it's pretty discreet. There's no flashing lights. There's no real indication. It's kind of just a little break in the street. So bicyclist proceeds to walk out into the street while simultaneously I happen to glance into my rear view into what would be the left-hand lane. And there is a car barreling down the street, clearly not getting the message on what's going on here. Upon impact, the bicyclist survives 0% of the time, just doesn't stand a chance. So you got a car going full speed, bicyclists about to exit our right-hand lane, one step, two steps, three steps onto the curb. If the car didn't nudge his rear tire, it gave it about as close of a shave as you could possibly get. Now, outside of me almost having a heart attack, no one else got hurt here, which, thank goodness, But this near-death experience is very similar to the state of what many would describe the U.S. housing market today. Seeking Alpha ran a headline recently, U.S. housing market dead man walking. Chief economist at Moody's was quoted as saying housing correction is dead ahead For the purposes of this segment, we'll be referencing quite a bit from the Freddie Mac National Survey of Lenders, which last week found that the 30-year fixed rate mortgage was 6.94%, which is the highest rate it's been in 20 years. For millennials and for younger generations, something approaching 7% is going to be pretty scary, but if you were to go back all the way to the 1970s, when this particular survey First began up until 2001. Where we are today is still significantly below the long term average. It's not the rate today that I find bothersome, it's the velocity in which we've gotten there. Over the past 12 months, the 30 year has increased 125%, so it's more than doubled. That's never happened before. Part of that is due to we are coming off of historic lows. So when you're dealing with small numbers, any type of fluctuations are going to be magnified. But the increase we've seen of nearly 4% has only happened once before. And you would have to go all the way back to 1980 to 81 to see it. Nationally, median sales prices have been coming down since the summer. So what does this mean for the capital region? Because we always try to tie it back to what's happening local. And what type of actions can we take? If you've seen any of the Halloween movies, no matter how many times they try to kill Michael, he just keeps coming back. Well, I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. Prices retreating in a meaningful manner here just isn't likely. Summer 2021, from a national perspective, saw the year-over-year change in prices increase 25% whereas locally, we were only about two-thirds that number. Our peaks were lower, which should also mean our retreat should also be lower. No major employers have announced larger layoffs here or relocation plans. If anything, it's been the exact opposite. Companies continue to expand. And finally, when nationally the inventory of houses has increased over the past couple months, Capital Region still remains two months of inventory, which is a all-time low. Buyers having few options in many ways acts as a floor for prices. This week, GCAR should be releasing sales data for the month of September. We'll discuss that in the next episode, but for the time being, my thesis remains the same. Prices here remain intact. Next, we'll cover crisis in the currency markets and the morality of landlording. But first, a quick word from today's show sponsor, SJ Lincoln Realty, helping home buyers and sellers throughout the capital region. I've been a real estate investor for a decade. Next month will mark 10 years and operate the office here as the licensed broker. If you or somebody that you know and that you care about has a real estate related need here in the capital region, Let's connect, steven at sjlincoln.com. That is my email address, goes directly to me, or sjlincoln.com slash book a call, where you can schedule a telephone or Zoom chat with me. There are no receptionists here. There are no new agents learning on the job. You hire me, for better or worse, you get me. And again, that's steven at sjlincoln.com. Sjlincoln.com slash book a call. Let's get back to the show. Let's talk about what it means to be powerful, specifically when it comes to currencies. Now, before we do that, we'll take a quick step back, just from a life perspective. Nobody wants to be viewed as weak, right? Whether it's physically, emotionally, you want to be powerful, you want to be strong. For context, there's something called the US Dollar Index, which tracks the American dollar versus a basket of other currencies of other countries. This has increased 20% this year. We've had politicians run on platforms proclaiming the importance of a strong American dollar. But is this actually a good thing? When you're the world's currency, nothing you do happens in a vacuum. Picture that you're an American manufacturer that sells goods overseas, and you have a buyer in England looking to purchase your goods. The pound to dollar has fluctuated 22%, meaning it's suddenly 22% more expensive for that buyer to purchase your goods. This is a big problem. It's not as if your product suddenly got worse, or a competitor's product suddenly became amazing. The decrease in demand for your product is attributed solely because the vehicle in which they use to purchase your good has fluctuated in a way not in their favor. Here's where it gets really messy. We talked about the American dollar being the world's currency, which means when developing countries borrow to fund operations of the government... They do so almost exclusively in American dollars. And the reason that they do that is because we've seen examples in Africa or Venezuela where they have inflation rates in the hundreds of hundreds percents every year, right? So picture that you're a lender. You don't want to be repaid in the future with a currency that's suddenly 500 or 600% less valuable than it was when you initially lent the money, right? That makes sense. So in order to protect themselves against that, they lend in a stable currency, which is almost, again, exclusively the American dollar. Hopefully that makes sense. You are Bulgaria. And let's say last year you took out a loan where one Lev, Bulgarian Lev, could purchase 60 cents American. And today you want to repay it, but unfortunately your currency now only purchases 50 cents American. Very similar to our manufacturing example, it's not as if this country took out some risky variable rate loan. The only component, again, of the equation to change is the vehicle of repayment. If you're a country that's already struggling to provide basic needs to your citizens, how can you possibly tack on an additional, essentially 20% tax on top of things like inflation, food shortages, The answer is you can't. So we're going to be entering a point of most likely large scale defaults from countries that frankly can't really afford to take on any more debt. So world economies, I guess the takeaway here is a very tricky thing. (laughs) We'll wrap up today with some thoughts that I have about being a real estate investor. Next month will mark 10 years for me of owning rental properties. And for those who follow me on Instagram, S.J. Lincoln Realty, which if you don't currently do, I'd highly encourage you to give it some consideration. It's a great way for us to connect get to know each other. But for those who do follow me, might have seen within the past week or two that I closed on a new rental property, which I'm really, really excited about. This is the first time that I've involved a partner in a purchase like this. Previously, everything's just been you know Steve Lutman, just myself. However, we are working with investors this time. So I'm really, really excited. But when you do this as long as I have now, it does come up in conversation, which is mainly by design. I do like to talk to people about what I'm up to. But overwhelmingly, the feedback I get is maybe you get a question or two about what it's like to be a a property owner. Occasionally, you'll get someone who's really interested in talking your ear off. They want to learn. Maybe they've been considering doing it and you kind of spark their interest. Occasionally, you will run into someone who pushes back. You might get things like, how dare you take advantage of those who are less fortunate? All landlords are terrible people. What you need to understand about people like this is that they're losers. Typically don't like to paint with broad strokes here on the show, but we're not dealing with job creators or problem solvers or innovators. These people are overwhelmingly complainers and some of you are saying oh steve i get where you're coming from but come on they're coming from a good place right they mean well if you are an investor and run into a conversation like this here's an experiment that i want you to run ask this person if they've ever considered purchasing a rental property and renting it at cost no markup if the spreads are so egregiously high then imagine the positive impact you could have on a family's life by offering a rental situation at no markup. Even better, you could take it one step farther and say to a prospective tenant, if you happen to stay three years, four years, at the end of that period, we'll refinance the loan and whatever equity is in there, we'll give to you. That's yours. And you can go use that for a down payment on a house. Imagine the powerful impact that you could have on a lower income family by doing something like that. This is where the excuses will start. You'll typically be something like, oh, I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, you're right. Owning rental properties does require money. It is an expensive endeavor. However, the good news is there are multiple properties listed on the MLS right now in the capital region. You can buy for under $100,000. You could get in for figure down payment, closing costs, $15,000. And they'll say, ah, oh, it's way too much. Okay. Get together one like minded friend, two like minded friends, each put in $5,000. You're good to go. Yeah, but I don't have that kind of experience. I don't know how to do it. It, it does require knowledge and it does require a skill set. You're right. Then you can offer to coach them, pro bono, no cost, just offer to walk them through whatever headaches they might come into. What you've done is you've put together a plan on how to lower a monthly expense for a low-income family, outlined a game plan on how to structure the purchase so it's gonna be minimal cost to the person you're gonna be helping, and also offered to coach them along the way. And you know what? they won't do it. They won't. And the reason they won't is because they're complainers and they're not doers. If they genuinely cared, they'd take you up on the offer. And I hope that they do. I think it would be a pretty cool experiment to run. But no one has taken me up on the offer. And I suspect that they probably won't take it up with you either. That's it. Thanks for spending some time with me. Before we get out of here, being that it's Halloween week, I do want to pass along a scary movie recommendation. And you won't find this on any of the streaming platforms. It's a bit off the beaten path. But from 1992, I want you to watch Ghost Watch. One word. If you've seen Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, this is very much the predecessor that led to those films. Somewhere along the lines of maybe upper limits of PG, lower bounds of PG-13 for the parents out there. It's not super gory. It's not violent or you know, nudity or anything like that. It's just kind of a fun, scary movie. If you do check it out, let me know what you think. But uh, this was never in theaters. It was strictly a television broadcast. And the BBC, so many people thought what they were watching was real, that the BBC later had to apologize and subsequently dissolved the film. It's very difficult to find. But again, Ghost Watch, one word. I will link to it in the show notes today. That's probably going to be your easiest path to find it. But uh, again, if you do watch it, let me know. I'd love to know uh, how my recommendation was and hopefully to get some good Halloween scares out of it. There are an infinite amount of content available to you. Thanks for spending some time with me whether it's, you know, just one person or hopefully at some point, maybe lots of people tuning into the show, but people seem to like, you know, the content I put out, which really does, you know, mean a lot to me, makes me feel good. So if you or someone that, you know, has a real estate related need in the capital region, Stephen at sjlincoln.com, sjlincoln.com slash book a call. We'll talk again soon.